All right, we are back with another episode of the Clinch Perfect Podcast, episode 24. Um, I'm Ben, as always, joined by Tom. How have you been, mate? I'm good. You know, that was amazing timing because thank God there's a mute button on my mic. I just had the biggest sneezing fit in ages. I literally oh, I couldn't you stop. Say, I was like, oh, no, please. a massive fart, mate. Oh, no, no, close. I was just like, please don't start. Please don't, please don't ask me to speak, please. <laughs> I've always, been, I've already been worried about the sound in this uh, episode because I just told you there's a fly buzzing about in this office that I'm in. And I feel like Walter in uh, the episode of Breaking Bad when he's chasing the fly around the lab. It's like, can't have a contaminant. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's been me for the last 20 minutes trying to catch this little son of a bitch, but I haven't been successful. Um, what a reference. Tell you what was successful. Another uh, another good week of betting on our uh, pod picks last week. PFL and Bellator obviously had no UFC. And uh, Ralph Young Stott's doing the business for us as an underdog. It's good stuff, once again. Cashing, what, what was it, breaking next? Cash, cash and checks? <laughs> <laughs> I'll just stick to the cash and checks, mate. That's fine by me. I'll let uh, I'll let the fighters break the next for me. Um, we also, we did, we did, we started last week with a bit of a wholesome segment. And I thought we could uh, make it a weekly thing, you know, wholesome uh, content of the week, wholesome MMA news of the week. And obviously this week, there's only one thing it could be. It's got to be Brendan Sharp, who normally we enjoy shitting on and making fun of and laughing at everything he says. But, um, uh, you know, crazy story. I'm sure most people listening to this have seen it already about him, um, you know, helping three kids out of like a, I don't know whether it was burning, but like a mangled wreckage of a car um, with like oil gushing everywhere, as he described it. And um, I've seen some stuff, people on social media saying, oh, it might not be as he described it, but um, you know, until we see evidence to suggest, su- uh, suggest otherwise, we'll uh, you know give the guy credit for saving children in need. Yeah, good guy, Shab. It was it's a crazy story, actually. It's yeah, it's mad. Like, well, I guess that kind of scene doesn't really happen in the UK, so we're not as accustomed to it. So I can't imagine how like the Americans dealing with it, but absolutely tragic. But yeah, as you say, good guy, Shab. It's, it's quite nice to see like. Him in the him in the news for good reasons. Yeah, well, on a different than... side to him as well. Like he was basically sobbing as he was telling the story on his on his uh, podcast. And I don't know, you know, maybe adrenaline, whatever, he might not be remembering it crystal clear and things might not be absolutely factually correct what he was saying. But I don't know how anyone could watch him sobbing while he's telling that story and be like, no, nah, he's lying. Like he'd have to be a genuine psychopath yeah, to have acted it that well. Did you see that on Twitter? Like people are accusing him of like or some that's just like yeah. how plastic can you get? Like, yeah, just unnecessarily I toxic. I don't think he's the type of guy to make that kind of thing up anyway. But yeah, no, and, say, and if he does, if he did, he'll get his just his just desserts anyway. Like somebody will find that out and he'll be fucked then. So but he, he um, hasn't yeah. just stopped there either, has he? Because he's offered to like raise money for the children and pay for yeah, funeral so. and all that kind of stuff, which again, absolutely amazing to see. Like it, it's cool to see a community club together in, in times like that and support one of their own who's who's done a good deed. So yeah, good guy shout out. Yeah, the MMA community can be wholesome every once in a while. And uh, like I said, if, if there's enough wholesome content to make it a weekly segment, then uh, then maybe we can do that. But who knows? Maybe there isn't enough, um, you know, wholesome in the uh, in the MMA community. Anyway, we've got uh, PFL tonight. So we'll talk a little bit about what happened in PFL last week. Not much because we're a bit late to the party on that. But um, Rory McDonald disappointed as he as, as you said he would, mate. Yeah, I kind of, I, having spoken to both in the build-up to the fight, I kind of got the impression that, Ray Cooper was just going to kind of stomp him. And whilst he didn't knock him out, he did kind of dominate him everywhere, which really surprised me, actually. It kind of felt like, I don't know if you felt the same, because I only watched it like the morning after, because I couldn't be bothered to step and watch the whole thing. But when I was watching the fight, it kind of, it felt to me like he Ray Cooper had taken a bit of Robbie's soul. Like, um, 
Rory, sorry. Why did I say Robbie? Um, Robbie had taken a bit of Rory's soul. Yeah. I, the, we, knew, we knew what you meant, mate. We, we, knew, we knew what you meant, yeah. It, it, felt, it felt like he'd taken a bit of his soul because he just completely, like, outclassed and stuffed him on the ground. I think it was the, the ground game that surprised me the most because Cooper's mostly known for his hands, right? Yeah, like, just it sheer was, power. Yeah, it kind of surprised me that Rory essentially didn't have any answers anywhere. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, I, you said in the build-up that he, he just kind of seemed a bit like timid, like not quite, that might not have been the word he used, but like not quite full of confidence as you need to yeah. be going into a fight of that calibre. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what it looked like. So you were spot on, mate. Yeah, it, it was just weird. I, I, I don't want to say he's washed, but I feel like Rory McDonald was kind of on a downward slide, like losing to Gleason mm-hmm. Tibal. Like, I don't care what anyone says, it's still a loss. <laughs> they didn't overturn the decision. So... <laughs> It, yeah, I don't know. I feel like sadly, it's kind of it feels like it's the end of McDonald or the Red King era for me. But great performance by by Ray Cooper. Literally said what he was going to do and did it. And now he's in the final against. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce. I think it's Magomed Karimov. Is that the guy? Magomed Karimov. Magomed Magomed Karimov. There was there was yeah. a hell lot of Magomedness last week, wasn't there? Because Magomed Magomedov was fighting Stotts. Magomedness <laughs> on uh, Magomedness. I love that mate. Was on uh, Bellator. They need to organise. PFL and Bellator need to organise doing that together every time. They, they should literally call it Magomedness and have Magomedness <laughs> weekends. That's perfect. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone really expected Magomed Karimov not to win that. Um, Sai was coming in as a short notes replacement, and yeah, interesting final there. Um, between uh, him and Cooper. Um, lightweight was a bit of controversy there. Um, Clay Collard pretty blatantly got robbed won in one of the fight. first two rounds, 100%. Like, I don't know how anyone can watch that. I, I watched it back um, a second time just to check that I wasn't, you know, because it was like 3 a.m. here. So I just wanted to check in the morning that I wasn't tripping. Uh, yeah, he definitely won the first two rounds. So I don't know what the hell happened there. But nonetheless, Roush Manfio is fighting uh, Radzibov in the final. And um, I'm not as excited for that as I am for the welterweight one. I won't lie. Maybe just because it feels a little bit unjust on Clay Collard. Yeah. Clay Collard for me is like the Rocky of MMA and boxing, yeah. which sounds like a, may sound a bit of a crazy comparison because obviously Rocky isn't real. But like the whole kind of journeyman <laughs> actually is like, kind of rediscovering himself kind of thing. I quite like the journey that he's been on over the past couple of years. Like the performance against Pettis was probably one of my favourite performances by a fighter this year. In fact, I would argue it is one of the performances of the year just because he was such a massive underdog. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good to see him back. It's good to see him bow out because he clearly won that fight so blatantly. And yeah, this isn't the just... first time the PFL have had such bad decisions throughout the entire season. So I think they well, kind of need to sharp You've got to remember as well, this is there's a million bucks on the line here. He just lost the <laughs> chance to win a million dollars because Life of the fight he money. clearly won was handed to his opponent. And I'm not trying to shit on uh, Manfio at all because he's a good fighter as well. But, you know, he, he lost that fight in the eyes of everyone except the three people that matter. So, uh, yeah, uh, this week we've got heavyweight and, uh, and the women's lightweight. Um, heavyweight, I mean, I can't see either of these fights lasting very long, to be honest. I've been watching a bit of tape on uh, on Capalaza and uh, Jamel Jones. I hope I'm saying their names right. Um, yeah, these guys have insane power and uh, they've been knocked out a few times themselves as well. So, um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting, but I can't see it going very long. Who did Capalaza beat? Um, well, I think he beat uh, Delija, who was in the other semifinal, didn't he? Yes, yes, because the guy who beat... Um... Usman's older brother, or younger brother, sorry. I think he got injured or something. I can't quite remember the, the full scenario. It's a weird one, though, because neither of them, I wouldn't say any of them are names, right? Like, I think Goldsov's really good. I think Goldsov's going to win the heavyweight tournament. I think he could compete in the UFC. 
He's got the most experience, to be fair. So I wouldn't yeah, put it past and him. And he's by far the most well-rounded out of the four of them here. Um, he's fighting Delija, obviously. Hopefully he's not another Philippe Lins. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, again, again, that fight as well, Goltsov and, and Delija. Goltsov's got 27 wins, 22 of them are finishes. Delija, 18 wins, 14 of them are finishes. And um, both of those two guys have been finished in every one of their losses. So I really can't see either of these heavyweight semifinals lasting very long. Oh, yeah, don't blink. That, that would be my, my word of advice because I think they're all just going to come swinging for the fences because don't forget as well, I think, like, I think actually, I think the point system now depends on, like, the, the walkout. So if you, obviously, if you win, if you if you get more points than the other person, you're going to walk out first or or get the pick of the draw kind of thing in terms of, like, soundtracks and everything like that. So I, I think there's still quite a lot, a lot of the line. Um, but I'm most excited about the lightweight, to be fair. Although I'm, I, I say I, this is my problem with PFL. I'm excited, but it feels like a foregone conclusion to me because well, Kayla Harrison is just going to clean up. <laughs> it didn't feel like a foregone conclusion before Larissa Pacheco missed weight by two pounds and is now kicked out because I, you know, I'm not saying she would beat Kayla Harrison. Don't get me wrong, but she wouldn't be the ridiculous huge underdog that the other three competitors here would be. Do you know what I mean? Um, you know, Pacheco is really well-rounded. She's good on the ground. She has power standing up. And, um, you know, I think she'd at least give Harrison a fight, whereas the other three that are now here, um, Pacheco missed weight by two pounds, been replaced by Mariana Marais, and she'll fight Taylor Guardado. And then, obviously, um, Kayla's fighting um, Jenna Fabian. Is that how you say it? And, yeah, yeah I mean, Fabian obviously is very talented, but she's a kickboxer. So <laughs> we all know what Harrison's going to do to her. Yeah, and I don't think I think because of the COVID and everything, I don't think she's actually trained that much in city kickboxing recently. I think she went to train at um, Extreme Couture with actually with Misha Tate and Casey O'Neill on that lot to work on her takedown defense. But I don't think, as you say, it's, it's not going to be enough against someone like Kayla Harris. And we all know what she does. Essentially, just habibs you and bullies you on the ground, and then pummels you into submission or submits you. So, yeah, it, it, I mean, it's kind of a weird one because I think I actually think Taylor Guado is also training at uh, uh, Extreme Couture as well. So potentially that could be a, maybe maybe a, a, the loser passed on tips to the other. I'm not quite sure. But yeah, for me, Kayla Harrison, I think she's too good. Um, in fact, you've got it in the notes here that the PFL, well, she said the PFL need to offer a, a life-changing money. I don't think yeah. they've got the money that she wants. And I also don't think, I actually don't think Kayla Harrison cares that much about the money. I think she's pretty well like set anyway. I think there's only one thing Kayla Harrison cares about, and that's becoming the greatest. I actually, I think she's, having spoken to her last week, she is so driven by the GOAT status and becoming the greatest and fighting like the murderer's row in the UFC. I don't see what more she has to, like, if she wins this tournament, right? That's another million in the bank. So that's two million in the past two years. Without breaking a sweat, really, as well. Without breaking a sweat, yeah. yeah she's like, not so taking any like major damage. She's not, you know, harmed her future career chances by, you know, getting injuries and whatnot. So, um, yeah, like you say, two million in the bank, what's left to do? Become the GOAT. And on, on top of that, sponsorships, things like that. So that's, I'm sure she's on like a healthy pay packet anyway. Like it just, it, yeah, I, I think this is the last receiver in the PFL, to be honest. I think it's it, I think it's kind of set up nicely for her to go into the FC, get a couple of fights under her belt and then fight Nunes before Nunes retires. That kind of feels like the natural progression for me. And boy, I, I tell you what, I'm, I'm getting excited already because I just can't wait for that fight. That fight has to happen. I don't get that. I will, I will stop Amanda Nunes from retiring just so we see that fight because to me, <laughs> that is the most, that's the most competitive fight in female MMA history, in my eyes. Well, we need something to, uh, to spice up that, that UFC 145 division, don't we? Jesus. Um, 
But yeah, you know, obviously the only question mark for Harrison would be cutting down because she's at 155 right now. But, um, you know, I don't think that'd be too much of an issue. Like you said, she's an absolute ridiculously driven professional and uh, I'm sure she'd take the cut, um, you know, in time, not rush it on, uh, you know, on the last second and uh, she'd be fine. But um, do you think she can actually beat Nunes? People are really going to be raging in the comments, but yes, because I think, again, it kind of sounds crazy, but Nunes has just had a child. How motivated is she actually? I, I don't think we've got, I, I know she's just beaten Megan Anderson, but Megan Anderson is not a motivated driven Kayla Harrison. Do you know what I mean? Like there's levels to this game. I think Kayla Harrison is too, I think Kayla Harrison's strength is obviously her wrestling, but I think her hands are kind of underrated. I think she's quite a well-rounded mixed martial artist. She just kind of hasn't had the chance to showcase her strengths against decent level of opposition. Mm-hmm. And I think she'll just blossom in the UFC because she'll just literally ragdoll everyone. I don't think Nunes has the wrestling to deal with her. I think the only way Nunes wins that fight is if she catches a clean. And I can't see... I think Kayla's actually got quite a shell on her as well. So I can't see her doing that. And I think her Olympic pedigree, like the judo background, the, the strong wrestling game, I, I, part of me feels like Nunes is kind of made for her. And maybe that's me being like a hype train beast or whatever, but... <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, you talked about the judo there. We all, we all know what happens when, uh, you know, well-known names, judo practitioners fight Amanda Nunes. It doesn't typically go well, mate. <laughs> but obviously, Kayla has a slightly more well-rounded skill set than Ronda did when uh, when Nunes batted her head around like a pinball machine. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it would be a competitive fight. I think I'd probably lean Nunes just because I've got that strong UFC bias. I've not been watching other orgs as long as you have. So um, when I when I think of a someone outside the UFC fighting someone in the UFC, my brain, without me even consciously thinking about it, always kind of leans towards the UFC fighter. So I don't know. I'd probably lean Nunes, but um, we'll have to see close to time and pray to God that that fight actually happens. It'd be an absolute travesty if it doesn't. I also think that the weight advantage is like obviously Kayla is a bigger girl, like her natural weight class is as you say, lightweight. I think that'll play into an advantage because I don't think I actually don't think Nunes is particularly big bantam weight. Like she doesn't <laughs> Yeah, she's she powerful, see, but she's not like massive. No, like you, you saw that in the cyborg fight, right? Like cyborg looked m- massive in comparison to her, and yet she's still maybe I'm kind of eradicating my own argument here. But I, I just think <laughs> physically, I think I think I think Kayla's strength is so dominant. I just kind of, and Nunes is obviously so well-rounded. She's the goat for a reason, but it kind of, the best comparison I can make is the Connor argument. You know, when Connor had his child and then, or had his, his family and he's basically like been on the downward slope ever since. Yeah. I feel like that's the best comparison I can make because it's how hungry is the lioness? If it's a fully motivated, fully motivated man of Nunes with no distractions, obviously I'd back Nunes the hill, but I'm not so sure that's the case anymore. Well, Speaking of uh, how motivated is the uh, the lion is the Nunes after um, you know having a baby, uh, the one who actually had the baby, uh, Nina Ansaroff, Nina Nunes. I don't, I'm not sure what she's going by. Um, does have a fight booked against Amanda Limos on December 18th, and that's a pretty interesting one because it kind of feels like they're throwing Nina to the wolves a little bit. Like she lost that fight. Uh, was it Mackenzie Dern? Yeah. Yeah, Mackenzie um, Dern submission. Yeah. And you know Limos is. I'd say she's kind of like the scariest dark horse in any of the women's divisions at the moment, she's like tearing through people getting first round finishes and, you know, power is such a equalizer in, in women's MMA and Limos has it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's an interesting fight. Um, we've got a couple more matchups I wanted to mention before we go on to uh, breaking down this week's UFC card. 
Uh, I've heard rumors of another fight for Uriah Faber. Apparently, he's been speaking about. I think he was getting asked in an interview or something about some of the opponents he that you know that have spoken about him and uh, the one that sort of he reacted positively to and said, "Oh yeah, I'd do that." Is uh, Marlon Chito Vera? So that'd be a fun one. Yeah, it's exciting. It's a very I mean, exciting fight. I'd love to see the amount of blood from Cheeto's elbows plus Uriah's scar tissue <laughs> equals claret. Like, that's gonna, <laughs> it's going to be pretty bloody. Um, but again, like as good as Cheeto is, he's not fought many people with Faber's you know level of talent, level of experience. Yes, Faber's very old now and uh, got brutalized by Piotr Jan. But um, I don't know. I think it would be a little bit more competitive than maybe people think. But you would have to lean Cheeto, wouldn't you? Oh, 100%. Like, it just makes my sense, right? I think because, as you say, the, the performance against um, David Grant as well, like coming off that win. That seemed like the uh, the sort of culmination of all the skills that Cheeto's developed against David Grant. Like, you know, it was mostly striking, but he showed some, you know, some good wrestling and stuff as well. And the elbows are just like vintage Cheeto. Like, I don't know, it, it maybe wasn't his best performance in terms of he lost the first round, but... Um, I really like the way his skills all came together in that David Grant fight. So, yeah, I, I would lean Cheeto, but I also just would like to see Faber back in the octagon. Um, another veteran versus uh, up-and-comer rumour I'm hearing is Sean O'Malley against Frankie Edgar. Oh, now, I mean, I think it's a great fight, but I don't think it's the route they're going to go down because obviously Frankie's just coming off that ridiculous KO defeat to Tori Sandhagen. I've heard, that, well... I've heard from the grapevine that they're trying to make Cruz Edgar, which to me kind of feels like interesting a retirement fight for one of them. But I, but again, if they do Sean O'Malley versus Frank Yeager, that again, that's a, a star-building name. It's a great matchup stylistically. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a different challenge, isn't it, for O'Malley that he's not really had yet. Yeah, as you say, it's a different challenge. It's a. Um, Go on, sorry. It's I was just, gonna interrupt you. <laughs> no, I was just saying it was just like a I just I just don't feel like it's the fight that they, he needs. I feel like he needs like an, another kind of like a Cody Stamen kind of level fighter before he takes on like a another veteran. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Um, one that definitely is booked is uh, and this one's a little bit weird to me, is Dan Hooker versus Nazareth Hakparast. I know Hook is obviously coming off a, a couple losses, so it makes sense to move him down in the rankings, but Hackbrast is quite a bit down behind him in the rankings. And I don't know, it just, just feels like a bit of a mismatch to me. Like Hackbrast is a, is a good striker, but he's not a Dan Hooker good striker. This this is odd to me. I feel like this is just the UFC trying to get Hooker back in the win column. Oh, it's exciting, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it would be nice to not see Dan touch wood asleep on the canvas again. I feel like it's quite a dangerous fight, though. Obviously, I'm leaning towards, I mean, betting the house on, on Hooker, but like Hackbrast is also kind of one of those fighters. I feel like Hackbrast, I mean, not just because he looks like him, but it's kind of like a Gastelum. Like, has clearly got quite a lot of potential, is also a bit susceptible to a couple of things, namely his chin. And you can't afford to be that against someone who is as lanky and as good as Hooker. Well, I was going to say, I don't even see how he's going to get close to Hooker. Like, not only is he going to have a huge reach advantage on him, he's also just as fast and just as good, probably a better striker. So I don't know, like I said, I'm not going to rule out Hackbrass winning, but that feels like a weird matchup to me. And as you said, yes, I will be betting the house on Dan Hooker. And I mean that literally, I'm not joking there. I'm going to have a lot of money on Dan Hooker on that fight, um, assuming the odds aren't 
so one-sided it's not even worth it um another one that um i think got our feathers ruffled a little bit the last time it was made we got a rematch booked for october 23rd between alan patrick and mason jones i can't wait for that fight i'm so excited that i feel like that it's kind of annoying though because i feel like it, it part of me is like mason should have won that fight anyway but, yeah, you sort of kind of wish that they just treat it as if he won. And, you know, like now it's like stalling his career, like just put him onto the next guy. But I don't know. I guess they kind of have to do it when it's a no contest. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a, um, it's kind of like a get rid of it off your record kind of thing. Like get the, the no contest off your record, as you say. I, just, I can't see anything other than a Mason victory, to be honest, just because of the way he was looking in that first round. Well, I mean, I think we can be honest. He was absolutely beating the shit out of him in the last fight and Patrick quit. Like, okay, yeah, he touched his eye, but it wasn't a bad eye poke. It wasn't a type of eye poke that it wasn't even a, as bad of an eye poke that we see fighters come back from every week and, you know, tell the doc, no, I'm fine. And, uh, you know, Patrick just knew this is my out, didn't he? He just like, that was his chance and he took it. Um, but yeah, I uh, I agree. Mason Jones all the way. Um, we'll talk about a, a few news bits, I guess, before we go on to, uh, to this week's card. And I know you're going to have something fun to say about this one. Uh, Colby Covington has been in the media again, talking a bunch of shit again, saying that he wants to be champ champ at 170 and 185. And um, maybe you should try just being champ first. He doesn't want that, Izzy Smoke. I think Izzy will be too big for him. Well, yeah, and Izzy's takedown defense is impeccable. Yeah, it's just... I, th- I feel like Kobe's just saying like really crazy things to just keep himself in the news. He's taking the talk sport approach. Yeah, quite. Yeah. When are we going to get the uh, the interviews and the articles published at the same time? <laughs> yeah. No, it just it just seems like a whole waffle to me. I don't think he has an interest in moving up purely because I think he's not. I don't think he's that big a welterweight anyway. No, he's not particularly. No, he's just insanely good athlete and and, and good cardio. But um, yeah, that's about it on the news, I think. Oh, I did want to talk about uh, Wei Li Zhang. Wei Li Zhang has been getting a lot of stick for uh, apparently making excuses about her head kick defeat to Rosanama Yunus. And um, I, I, kind of, I kind of feel for her on this one. So she was saying this week that um, Chris Weidman's leg break affected her because they were sharing a dressing room. And you know she gave him a fist bump before, before he went out and said, good luck. And then he broke a leg and it got in the head. Um, what do you think of that? Do you think that's a fair excuse? Uh, how do I put this politely? <laughs> no, not at all. I don't really think, I, I don't think it kind of, I think at that level of competition, if you're affected so easily by something like that, like you kind of don't deserve to be champion, which sounds really, really harsh, but you've got to be so clearly focused. Like if you get distracted by something like that, like I would understand it more if, if Wybin was a teammate or something mm-hmm. yeah, or a close friend, but like you see breakages in the UFC like all the time. It just kind of, for me, it kind of feels a bit like an excuse. I don't know what you think. I'm not going to lie. From, from the fighter perspective, I agree with you. Like, if you're a professional, I mean, not just a professional fighter, if you're the champ, if you're supposedly the best in the world at your weight, then, uh, you know, part of that, I think Bisping talked about this when when he spoke about this subject, actually, part of that is the pressure. Um, you know, you have to be able to deal with the pressure. That's It's not just your physical skills when you get in the octagon. Part of it is the mental game, or a huge part of it is the mental game. But then, 
coming away from looking at it as a fighter and looking at it as a person, you know, just an average fan like me, I'm thinking, you know what, I, why are we criticizing that? Like, that kind of seems like it would affect, you know, if you, if you fist bump someone and say good luck and then you look up at the, uh, the TV screen five minutes later and their, their leg is flapping about like one of those inflatable dudes outside car dealerships. Um, I think that would get in my head a little bit, you know, even if it's not, you know, major, just, it could just that little split second hesitation, and, uh, you know, just mess with your head. And I'm not saying that's why she lost. I'm not taking anything away from Rose. But um, as far as excuses go, I, I would give her a little bit of uh, a little less stick, a little less criticism for that one. I, I was going to say credit there. Don't give her credit. Just give her a little less criticism. Um, should we talk about the uh, Cannoneer and Gastelum card? Which I feel like is getting a lot of stick, unjustly. Yeah, there's some sneaky good fights between a lot of contender series guys on this fight as well, on this card as well. Yeah, I'm quite, I'm quite looking forward to the, the straight off the bat, um, the William Knight, uh, Fabio, is it Sharon? Sharon? I don't know how you pronounce it. Best, best nickname in the UFC, Sharon, the water buffalo. Yes, I'm really looking forward to that fight because it's either going to be like one of them laying on top of the other for like five minutes, like three rounds or whatever, or it's going to be an insane knockout. <laughs> yeah, it could be <laughs> brilliant. No it could be terrible. <laughs> I, I agree. There's really no other way for that fight to go. Like, I think Knight, winning a decision seems likely in the way that you just described just getting him down and keeping him down but um yeah if they start trading in the middle of the octagon like these guys are so hench somebody's going down yeah it's just going to be the two absolute like, well fast twitch muscles all broke is <laughs> how i see that fight yeah um <laughs> Before that, there's a couple contender series guys facing off against each other. Roosevelt Roberts, who looked really good when he first came into the UFC. Um, if you remember, he got that submission on uh, Brock Weaver, who's since been cut. And uh, and then he lost to Jim Miller, was it? Guillotined him? Yeah, and, yeah, um, choked. Yeah, it just, it just not quite lived up to the hype. And he's fighting Ignacio Bahamondes, who was another contender series guy who didn't live up to the hype. He is an absolutely huge guy for the uh, for the division. But remember, he got pieced up by Macadacy in his debut and is one of the most, um, what's the right word for this, hittable fighters I've ever seen. Like he just stood there and let like no head movement, nothing. Oh, yeah, no he's footwork. a really lanky, like yeah, Chilean. He's, he's right? absolutely yeah. enormous for the weight class. And uh, he's going to look huge compared to Roberts because Roberts is pretty small. And But yeah, he's also so hittable. He literally just stood there for 15 minutes letting McDaisy punch him in the face. And uh, yeah, that's that's an interesting one because because of the way Bahamondes fights, he goes in there trying to land, you know, flare, crazy shit, but also is susceptible himself to getting hit. You just feel like there's going to be Clara everywhere. It's pure carnage is the only way I can see it happening. Um, yeah. I, I agree. This is like sleeper fight of the night for me. <laughs> I'm kind yeah, of just pure. Really any time Bahamandes fights, I'm going to tune in. Not because he's really good, but because he does damage and takes a lot of damage. So, like, you know, some shit's going to go down. Um, I've actually got two betting picks either side of those two fights we just mentioned. Um, in the opener, we got Sasha Palatnikov against uh, Ramiz Brahimaj. And hope I'm saying Brahimaj right. Um, and if you remember, are, yeah. he's the one who his ear like fell off in his debut against Max oh, Griffin. Oh, yeah. And he was like holding it to the side of his head, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, absolute savage, wanted to continue. But um, I think he's being a little bit disrespected by the odds here because of that. Like that was a, that's a big debut. Max Griffin is good. Like that's, that's not an easy debut for a guy who's, what, eight and two at the time with minimal experience against high level fighters. And, you know, against Palatnikov, who's, solely a striker and doesn't really have good grappling this just feels like a dream matchup for 
for Ramiz. And uh, yeah, I'm going to bet on him to win. I think he's just a slight favorite, but um, yeah, a couple of units there. And I feel like that's easy money to open up the night. I think that's like, it's kind of like a, it's kind of a weird fight because I think Palatnikov, did Palatnikov just fight? Um, Impa. Impa, yeah. He got rear naked choked by Impa. Choked, yeah. 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 It is an interesting, uh, again, I feel like it's a make or, make or break fight for both. Like, mm-hmm. come off losses. And at that stage in their career, like their their record isn't too impressive. Six and three, eight and three. Yeah, I have to agree, man. I have to agree. I think yeah, that's a really I might good have a, pick. I might have a cheeky bet on Brian Hodge to get the sub as well, but um, the odds are good enough just on the win. They'll mainly just be getting on the win. And uh, so yeah, and then the the fourth fight after the three we just discussed is uh, Bea Malecki against Josian Nunes. And I don't understand why Nunes is an underdog here. Like we just spoke with uh, with Amanda Limos about power being an equalizer. In, uh, in women's MMA, and Nunes has power. I think six of her seven wins are knockouts, and I, I looked up some tape on her, and they're knockouts as well. They're not TKOs. Like, she is sleeping, girls. Yeah, it's a fun fight. I, I feel like Maleki may be a bit too, like, we can't sell that against Mikado. I think she's a bit too big. But as you say, Nunes carries, like, ridiculous power. Um. I think I think Maleki has been training with Shayhan Baez as well, or at least she's been living with her in her house. So that's kind of like an interesting dynamic. Well, Shayhan did again, talk it's... about being broke, didn't she? So it wouldn't surprise me if they were, they were house sharing, had some sort of system <laughs> going on there. Again, that's one of those. I think on the prelim, on on the, the prelims, I'm really excited about the Maleki Nunes fight. I'm also really excited about Luis Saldana versus Austin Lingo. I'm really really high on Lingo. I think he's a great fighter. I think he could be. Well, he's a really exciting prospect anyway. Um, and then Saldana, another contender series guy. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I feel like it's getting way too much disrespect considering like this card also has Pantoja versus Roy Val on it, which for me is a fight of the year contender. That fight alone, if you just put that fight and nothing else on Saturday night, I, I would pay for a pay-per-view. Like that is such an <laughs> unreal fight to open up the main card. I don't know how it's not the co-main, but um, oh, well, it's uh, it's opening up the main card. Yeah, Pantoja and, and Roy Val. Um, yeah, like you said, I mean... I think I've got to lean Pantoja just because as good as Roy Val is, Pantoja's defensive like grappling is is really good as well. But way more experienced. You just never know with Roy Val; like he could catch anyone in anything. Yeah, with, with well, I mean, the guy literally doesn't stop throwing. Right, we saw that against um, Kaikara France. Like, yeah, he got clipped and then came back and then ended up finishing. Well, he got clipped and immediately yeah. responded with a spinning elbow. <laughs> like that was his response <laughs> to getting clipped was to throw a spinning elbow. The guy's insane. He's never in a doll fight either. In fact, I would say neither of them are ever in a doll fight. So it, it is literally just banger written all over it. Even even like, but but looking at the rest of this card, like I'm I'm also weirdly intrigued by Chase Sherman versus Parker Porter. Like that fight fascinates me. Big shout out to uh, Chase Sherman's Instagram. If anyone's not following Chase Sherman on Instagram, <laughs> he uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna drop what he said. He said that um, he posted a picture of Parker Porter. And said, my two favorite things, knocking people out and a good pair of tits. Luckily, I get to see both this week. Absolute <laughs> legend, legendary stuff there from Chase Sherman. Um, but yeah, like you say, that's that's one of those weird ones where it's two big, not particularly athletic heavyweights. So it could be shit. It could be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with my, my favorite analogy of two guys outside where the spoons. I feel like that's the, that, that's the perfect analogy. <laughs> <laughs> and if you were going to mess with someone outside Weatherspoons, I would not want it to be Chase Sherman. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, like you say, there's loads of interesting fights on this card. There's a newcomer as well, um, late fill-in for uh, the fight against Trevin Jones, which, by the way, Trevin Jones must have the worst luck with cancellations of anyone, maybe worse than Leon Edwards. Uh, like, he must have had, like, 10 different opponents listed in the last month or two. Like, he was supposed to be on a card a few weeks ago. It got opponent changed, I think, twice, and then the third opponent had to drop out, like, at weigh-ins or something. Now this is his second opponent on this card. Like, it's absolutely insane. Trevin Jones, whoever, like, whatever coach helps Trevin Jones study tape of his opponents must be so goddamn busy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he must, he must load up a videotape and they'd be like, nope, five seconds later. <laughs> Gonna have to get the other one out. <laughs> Like they've just got the same. They've got like their uh, video analysis guy just like locked in a room somewhere. Oh, like Baltista! Slave. That's who he's coming off. When I was wondering who it was. Yeah, he knocked out um, Timo Valia before that, but it was I think it became a no contest because he tested positive for weed, which obviously is he was also meant to fight Randy stupid. Costa, but that was cancelled as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, he's had loads of banging fights booked in, and they've all been cancelled or changed or moved or postponed. Um, but yeah, he's fighting a newcomer here in uh, Kakramanov. Kakramanov, I hope I'm saying that correctly. And um, yeah, this guy looks pretty good, not going to lie. Um, I don't know the uh, the team that he's fighting out of. I looked you know, looked at their roster and I don't know any of the other names on it. So it's a, you know, it's a small team or whatever. But um, yeah, it looks, you know, looks well-rounded. Let's have a good skill set. And, um, you know, Trevin Jones is never in a boring fight. So it could be another sneaky firefight. Yeah, the, whenever they kind of... Well, we saw it with the um, Sean O'Malley replacement, didn't we? Like, that was really... Chris Moutinho was really, really entertaining. They yeah. kind of... I feel like these short-notice replacements kind of know that they've kind of got nothing to lose because because they're taking the fight on short-notice, that means they're immediately probably going to get another fight unless they look absolutely terrible. So he could throw it all in the cage and just leave it out there. But I'm really excited. I, I don't know if you've seen the press, but Marco Madsen, really excited to see him back, especially with everything that he's been through in the past 12 months. I'm really high on Marco Madsen. I, I was going to bring that up, to. actually. I've got it listed on my phone here in front of me to uh, to read out um, that, he, that he, what, broke his jaw in his last fight. Is that correct? Yep. And uh, then it got infected. He needed surgery. Then he got, he got COVID. COVID. And then his wife got diagnosed with MS and he was taking care of her. So, yeah, Marco Madsen has had a, uh, a difficult 18 months, to say the least. And, um, you know, like I say, just fantastic to see him back. And this is a really fun fight as well. Yeah, well, I mean, we're big fans of Clay Guida. Always who brings isn't, it. Who isn't a fan yeah. of Clay Guida? Always brings it. And also, it's quite interesting because Clay, Clay Guida's wrestling is quite, like, it, I think he's actually being overlooked in this fight. Like, obviously, Marco Madsen is an Olympic-level wrestler, mm-hmm. silver medalist, you name it. But Guida trains at Team Alpha Male, which are known for their wrestling. So I think, like, I think actually the matchmakers have done really well because it could be a grappling fest. But the main, do you know, again, people are sleeping on this main event. I have a feeling we could see something special here. I'm, I'm trying to think, well, it depends how, basically for me, that it all comes down to how much Cannoneer wants it. Like if Cannoneer is recovered, fully recovered from that broken arm, no ailments whatsoever. Yeah. I think he puts Gastelum away. I'm trying to find the stats on my phone right now from... Uh... UFC by the numbers or whatever that account on Twitter is called that are actually very helpful. Um, there's some numbers about Cannoneer's... Oh, yeah, here, here they are. Cannoneer's moved down from uh, from light heavyweight. I know he started heavyweight, but just focusing on the light heavyweight to middleweight drop. And it kind of supports what you're saying, to be honest, I think, because so um, significant strike attempts per minute from distance, he's landing two less per minute 
from uh, from middleweight than he was at light heavyweight. He was landing nine, and at middleweight, he's only landing seven. And then you look at his uh, defensive grappling as well. His takedown defense at light heavyweight was 19%. Awful. <laughs> only defended three of 16. And then at middleweight, is 78%. He's defended 14 of 18. So I think the, you know, less strikes, better takedown defense just shows like how he's developed into such a more rounded technical fighter. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't looked at those numbers before. It's interesting that you say that because I, I feel like, because Gastelum is a very good wrestler, right? We know yeah. this. So he's, he's, never gonna need, he's gonna need that takedown defense if Gastelum decides to actually use his wrestling for the first time ever. <laughs> but he always gets caught in a firefight. And you can't afford to do that against someone like Cannonier unless your boxing is so much better. I, I don't think Gastelum's got the hands to do it. Well, yeah, like, I feel like maybe maybe we will see him revert to the wrestling then. But then, you know, like I said, Cannonier's um, you know, wrestling defense in the move down to middleweight has just gotten astronomically better. Who do you think wins? I think I'm I think I'm in the same camp as you. I think I'm leaning Cannonier just, you know, his technical striking and boxing is just so crisp and so clean and as good a chin as Gastelum has, Cannonier is a fucking hell of a hard hitter. So if he lands, you know, too many clean shots on you round after round in a 25 minute fight, eventually you're gonna go down and not get back up. Yeah. It'll be a um Well put it this way, I don't think it's gonna be a dull fight. I just don't, I kind of fear for Gastelum because I think he's kind of taking, I think he's, I think he's kind of going into that fight thinking, oh, okay, I'll win this, I'll win another one and then I get the easy fight. But I think he's kind of biting off a bit more than he can chew just because, well, Whitaker made him look so average. Well, you do feel like Kanani is sort of the dark horse of the division, don't you? Um, I think uh, Adesanya actually said that recently on uh, on the MMA Hour that, you know, there's all, all the names that are really recognizable. And then there's Cannoneer that's kind of like, you know, obviously MMA fans know him, but, you know, your, your average casual fan might not. And he is such a beast and just in insane shape as well, considering he used to be a heavyweight. Like, he's so well-rounded and, well, not well-rounded, but you know what I mean? The uh, the grappling defense has gotten so much better that he can now, you know, keep the fight where he wants it. That's what I should have said. And his cardio as well. Like, when we saw him at heavy, like heavy, he, and, and heavy, obviously, he's... He gassed all the time. Like mm-hmm. first round, he'd be, he'd be done after the first round if it even made it that far. I, at middleweight, he seems to have worked out his cardio. I, I think, yeah. If I were Gastelum, I'd, I'd be, I'd be using my wrestling predominantly. Hundred yeah, percent. If you can get it down to the ground, you'd favor him to win. But um, it's just a matter of whether that cannoneer grappling defense that I just mentioned actually holds up. Well, and as you said, if Gastelum even decides to actually wrestle. Um, but yeah, that's because the only way I'm the only reason I'm saying it. that is because he, he, he's the only reason I'm saying that is because he's literally gone to train with Henry Cejudo mm-hmm. and he said, like, oh, he picked up some tips from Henry Cejudo. But then if we look at Henry Cejudo, he kind of rarely used his wrestling anyway, so it's, it, it's a weird one for me. I'm, I'm a bit worried for Gastelum because I really like him. I think, I think for, like he gets quite a lot of stick from MMA fans, but he's a very popular guy, like, he's, he's a big name, obviously, tough winner, knocked out Uriah Hall, like, knocked out Bisping. He's got something about moment him, of just... silence there for Bisping. Yeah, I like that <laughs> <laughs> little but, pause. <laughs> but I just, yeah, I do fear for him in this fight. Yeah, all right. Well, uh, I guess we'll wrap it up then. We got two bets there on uh, on Brahimaj and, and Nunes, and then we're just going to enjoy the madness on the on the main card. And um, we'll be back next week with with more chat on PFL, more UFC chat, and of course, mate, the big one that we haven't mentioned yet is uh, isn't next weekend a certain Tyron Woodley will be entering the ring. Oh God! Don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> we got. We're gonna have to talk about it. <laughs> 
See ya. Take care.